0: Hello, and welcome to Tuesdays at APA Chicago, our monthly after-hours lecture series held at APA's Burnham Conference Center. My name is David Morley. I'm a senior research associate at APA and host of Tuesdays at APA Chicago. You can find information on previous and future presentations on APA's website, www.planning.org, under the section called Events. And that's where you can also find selected past programs as podcasts. APA's Community Planning Assistance Team, or CPAT, program provides pro bono planning assistance to underserved communities. Each CPAT pairs a multidisciplinary team of expert planning professionals from around the country with community members, key stakeholders, and relevant decision makers to foster community education, engagement, and empowerment. While the program traces its roots back to 1995, it really took off in the wake of Hurricanes Katrina and Rita when APA sent a number of assistance teams to the Gulf Coast. So far, there have been more than 20 CPATs in 16 different states, and APA is always looking for members interested in volunteering their time and expertise. Any communities interested in applying for assistance can download an application from the APA website. The deadline for applying in the current cycle is December fourth, two 2014. Tonight we have with us two CPAT veterans who've agreed to share case studies from their respective experiences. First up will be Rich Roths. Rich is a nationally recognized expert in floodplain management and mitigation planning, and he's provided mitigation assistance to at least 20 states and their communities. Then we'll hear from Doug Martin. Doug is the deputy city administrator for the city of McHenry, Illinois, where he's been employed for the last 12 years. He's responsible for all planning, zoning, and economic development activities in the city. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Rich Ross and Doug Martin.
1: Thank you. City of Franklin is a pre-Civil War community. In fact, on the south side of town, there's one of the Civil War battlefields. Uh, yeah, it depends who you talk to there. It's either the, Be- the War of Northern Aggression, the War of States' Rights, or the Civil War. Take your pick. And down there, you get all three, because there's a lot of northerners that have moved down there. They were an exurban Nashville community who are now turning into a what I call a quasi-bedroom community, because uh, the Nashville area has grown out there. And because of that, they were also involved in the 2010 Nashville flood. Uh, Now, on here, you'll see what the CPAT team is. David pretty much talked about that, but I want to point out that we had planners from around the country as part of our team. Tom Bassett from APA's Washington office was our staff contact, and when we went down there uh, the first time, actually, I was the team leader. Tom contacted me In May, we went down and visited the community. They had submitted a detailed application and then ended up going back with the team in September. Why the big gap? Because of the community. They had people that were out of town at different points during the summer and they requested it in September. But we had Tom and myself. We had Bill Harris, who's a professor at Georgia Regency University. We had Gail Henrickson, who's a planner in Florida and is on the uh, state chapter management team. We had Mark Eber, who was the only non-AICP in the group. He's a landscape architect and is a member of ASLA. And Kim Burton from Ohio State University. So we had a pretty diverse group that uh, headed down to Franklin. Now, the study area here is 96 acres. It's a little bit of everything here. You've got uh, historic neighborhoods here. You've got commercial strip here. You've got a uh, city uh, public works facility up here, close here. And again, some more commercial strip area here. So a lot of different areas with a lot of different issues that we were involved with. The challenges that we dealt with, there was frequent flooding from the Harpeth River and the Sharps Branch, and I'll get back to those in a minute. There were a lot of non-conforming uses, particularly along Fifth Avenue, and there were a lot of unattractive structures that didn't fit in with everything else down there. Now the objectives are what Franklin wanted us to address in the plan that we came back with, or the quasi plan, I guess. They wanted solutions compatible with the floodplain. They wanted solutions to provide transition areas. They really were strong that they wanted this to be a gateway or one of five gateways into the town. They wanted solutions and context with the community's character and needs. They didn't want any high roofs because their historic downtown area one of the highest buildings down there had two story uh, two story buildings, so Don't come back with something in the floodplain elevated so it's three or four stories high. They wanted to complement the and develop solutions for the streetscape and develop solutions for economic development. I'll add on that there was, before we ever got there, there were two different groups that, you know, were coming together on this one, you know, ignore the floodplain and let's develop it. And others, no, you know, we've got to be stewards of this area and only have development that will fit into the whole thing. Now, again, here's the study area. The Harpeth River goes along that line there. They are not at the headwaters, but they are near the headwaters. What it means is flooding there may not exactly be flash flooding, but it would be like in the Chicago area if you were on the Des Plains just south of the Wisconsin state line. So you're gonna get the uh, flooding fairly soon after heavy downpours in Wisconsin. The other is Sharps Branch, which goes along here, which is a very flashy stream. When the water pours down, they're going to have a flood really quick. Some pictures of the flooding uh, and some of the buildings that we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. This is a car dealership that went underwater, Uh, some strip development. Along here, uh, the the sonic, which we'll mention towards the end there, uh, and the historic buildings generally in the the 4th Avenue area. Again just another picture of the flooding. Each time they've had a flood, it's gotten worse. And although I never like to predict anything, I think it's going to get worse because this whole area is developing out of the Nashville urban area. A lot of development going on. What did we do? When we got there, actually before we got there, we requested reports, plans, regulations, The first morning we were there, which was Monday morning, we did a driving and walking tour, not only of the study area, but other parts of the town so that we could get a feeling for the town. And then we started work sessions and research. The first thing we did was meet with city staff, uh, you name it, I think we met with them, including the... Nashville area water utility and uh, everybody else. Luckily we got them to come and visit with us. Uh, One thing I didn't mention at the beginning, Franklin paid for our travel costs. We donated our time. So it cost Franklin overall about $11,000. Which included airfare and Mark coming from California was the worst. Uh, hotel and food. I was telling somebody earlier the food was so good I ended up coming back and getting gout. So we ate pretty good down there. Uh, we had a number of uh, stakeholders meetings, seven of them on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, we met with. Uh, their economic development groups, uh, local neighborhood groups, uh, their park districts, uh, just yeah, pretty much anything you could think of. I think they originally came up with five groups and we requested two more. So we wanted to make sure that all the stakeholders were represented. We met with elected and appointed leaders, nonprofits, neighborhood group, city staff. And then we had a public workshop Tuesday night, which was just to solicit their input. We gave an overall presentation of why we were there and that we were asking for the members of the community to uh, you know, give us their input about what they wanted in Franklin. We set up five tables Floodplain and mitigation, that was me. Economic development, uh, urban design and historic preservation, that was uh, Mark. Uh, Open space, mobility and connectivity, uh, Bill had economic development. We looked at five different areas. And as we go through the presentation, I'll point out the different areas. We got maps for each of those. The Hill property, which was up on the hill. Bicentennial Park area, which is over in this area. East side of Fifth Avenue, down here. West side of Fifth Avenue. And actually, we asked the community to allow us to make some recommendations on the areas outside of the study area because of the influence of those areas on the study area. The hill properties, currently a public works garage, actually two of them, up on the hill overlooking uh, Fifth Avenue. To the west of that is a historic black cemetery. Uh, and to the south, you're getting into some commercial and industrial areas. The problems that we saw there is great, it's outside the floodplain. The problem is is that the roads going to it went right through the floodplain area that was up to 20 feet deep during the last flood. It, whatever goes there has to fit in with the cemetery Now, one of the things that was suggested was rip it down and expand the cemetery. Uh, Not by us, but this is one of the uh, citizens down there. It should be low-scale development, possibly a community center for the uh, residential area just adjacent to that. The city wanted a gateway feature, possibly an interpretive center for the area. And we're also looking at open space parking for the cemetery because the basic parking for the cemetery is park along the side of the road right now and walk in. Bicentennial Park area. And you know, when I first looked at this, I said, oh, this is gonna be a piece of cake. until I got down there and saw what was already done. The Bicentennial Park area, is over here. There's two historic cemeteries that date back to around the 1800s. There's what's called the Old Shoe Factory, where you see this roof. It's basically a roof with the girders holding it up. The shoe factory's gone. And you've got some uh, commercial over here. Over in this area was an old dump at one time. So it starts making the issues change a little bit. I know from when I first saw the application, when I first, before I even went down there, I said, oh, this is gonna be easy. And I decided it wasn't. What we looked at is putting pervious parking on the site, both for the users of the uh, park for the cemeteries, and uh, possibly for a couple other things that happened down there. Uh, purchase the remaining private structures. Along Fifth Avenue, there's uh, two structures on the uh, east side of the road. There's also, if you go one street into Fourth Avenue, there are a couple commercial structures. There's a... Uh, Vacant building right now, and the other one was a nursery. Uh, it will probably be there for some time, with, but we suggested as a long-range plan to take care of that. Possibility putting a nature center in there. redevelop French's, which is a boot shop on Fifth Avenue. But anything that goes in there should be elevated. Again, possibility of a visitor center. A gateway feature, you know, something that says you're coming into Franklin and here's what Franklin is. They're building the park, they're putting a new road in, but they don't have the whole thing planned out. He said, you know, finish the park plan. You know, we made some suggestions. There's a bike trail along the Harpeth River. We made some suggestions regarding the bike path. Uh, connect the park and the cemeteries. The cemeteries are both surrounded by uh, rock fences, uh, and people do wander throughout there. It's not like you know, a cemetery here where you only get the people that uh, have families buried there. I didn't see a headstone that was under 60 years old while we were walking through there. Uh, trailhead bike uses extend the bike path. Right now, the bike path pretty much ends here. It crosses the river up here and uh, continues through a subdivision. Right now, they don't. Although there's a path there, they don't have right of passage through there. It's only held by the subdivision. East side of Fifth Avenue, again, this area. We weren't allowed to do a whole lot there. A good part of the homes there are on the historic register. And although, since I first got involved with historic structures after the 93 flood on the Mississippi, when we were told, bug out, don't get involved with them all. Uh, Department of the Interior is now taking a more more proactive stance rather than seeing buildings demolished by nature. I'm doing some uh, preservation work in those structures. Uh, Franklin didn't want to talk about it. In fact, at the public meeting we had, some of the residents wanted to yeah, suggest to us what we can do, so we did that, but it's basically uh, on a person by person basis uh We did suggest that they contact interior about mitigation activities that interior would re- approve again, you got floodplain issues uh you know they were talking about could we put a levy in well, a levy is three feet this way for one feet this way. And at the point they would need it, you would be have at least a 10-foot levee, which would encroach either into the houses or into the historic cemeteries. So it was a no-go. Uh, talked about increasing density. There are a few areas, buildings there that are not historical, uh, possibly doing some mixed retail residential along the Main Street here and at this end of Fifth Avenue. Uh, Possibly some open air structures. Uh, Again, pedestrian and bike friendly, and right now they're stand to the dump as leave it as is. Just cover it with dirt and basically hope that it goes away. Our suggestion was you need to get in there and remediate uh, the area and open it to the public. If you're going to have a bike trail that goes through there, uh, then you need to make it friendly to the users. Their historical uh, preservation group is actually uh, this building here is the Old Old Jail. They have three jails in town, the jail, the Old Jail, and the Old Old Jail. And the historical preservation is moving in there. I suggested to them some mitigation activities for the lower floor because they have an open dock at the back of it that would cause the lower level to flood. And made some recommendations on that. Some of the floodproofing activities that we talked about was elevating the structures, allowing water to flow in and flow out. And you'll see another one a little bit later. The west side of Fifth Avenue, or this area here. Again, you've got floodplain issues, and you've got some pretty significant ones. Talked about possibly either leave it as open space, you buy out the structures there, or you elevate the structures. There was a big push in the community for a restaurant along there. And we talked to them about actually elevating a restaurant, putting parking underneath, and they said, well, what about handicapped? We've got to be handicapped accessible. So put an elevator in there by the NFIP regulations. You put it, you can't have a uh, lift type elevator from below. You do it from the top and bring it up. So we were able to talk them through some of the issues. Uh, since you do get up the hill there, Next to the uh, warehouse and that put in some uh, affordable housing that area to the west is uh, the hard bargain area. The reason it was called hard bargain uh, it was a black community in town still is, and the historically post civil war one of the uh, Black residents of the area bargained with a local owner for that, for a place that they could build housing. And the guy that they got it from said, you know, you had a hard bargain and it stuck. That is, uh, to this day, it's the hard bargain area. But we wanted to make sure that the residents of that neighborhood also... Got some improvement to the area from what we were suggesting. Uh, Suggested possibly, uh, again, redevelopment with zero lot lines, uh, a community center for the hard bargain area. Right now, there is nothing. And they have to, the people that live there have to go across two high traffic streets to get to any community. use type of structures. We suggested possibly a pedestrian and bike friendly area, possibly a bridge both over Sharps Branch and across Fifth Avenue to make it safer for the residents of the hard bargain area. Uh, Fix up the streetscape for Mount Hope, which is one of the entrances into the community. Right now it's uh, Pretty rustic to say the least. And again, give the residents of the hard bargain area access to the rem- rem- uh, remainder of the community. Here's a few other suggestions we had on elevating structures along there. Again, since they were so heavy on a restaurant being basically where the car dealership was, outside areas. There were a few things that affected this area, and I'm not going to go top to bottom, but Mack Hatcher is a uh, bypass to Franklin, and it's just half built. So you have heavy traffic going through Fifth Avenue through the middle of town. They've started greenways, but there's no connectivity. Get that finished both along Sharps Branch and along the Harpeth River. Have some active recreational uses and park and ride activities to bring people in out of the area. Uh, Possibility of TIF funding. Their funding is nowhere near the type we have down here. There is no uh, city tax down there. When the development comes in, they've got a one-time fee, and whatever else they get from the state. Kroger's is just north of there, the shopping center. As I pointed out earlier, there's a, the Sonic, which is was underwater. Get Sonic to move to the. Kroger property, which is a uh, mini-mall type area, which is right next to the high school. It's the high school kids that keep the sonic going. This is them talking, not us. Look at the community rating system to lower the cost of flood insurance. Do a stream maintenance program for Sharps Branch. Do a stream study. Although the Corps of Engineers is studying the Harpeth River, nobody is studying Sharp's Branch. Find out what the problems are, find out what other engineering activities can take place to reduce the flooding. In addition, we suggested for the hill property that it be low-scale, non-intrusive, community-oriented development, and. Type of activities that fit in with open space. The Bicentennial Park area, as I said, they've started it, but they haven't got anywhere near the full plan. Well, we're going to put this road in and then we're going to think about what we're going to do. We told them to come up with an overall plan for the area. And East of Fifth Avenue, Again, complete the plan, no private development. And it says north of Margin, should be north of Margin. Margin is the uh, north south street to the very. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, it's east west street at the north end of uh, the historical area. Uh, one other thing that we did suggest to them is. That they, uh, again, work with the residents of the historical neighborhood, let them be a part of the solution for the problems that they're having there. And then we came back with the CPAT team refining the report, and we had some pretty long days. We worked from eight in the morning till the last day we worked before the uh, final meeting. We worked till two in the morning. a lot of coffee the next morning Uh, we delivered it back to the city within a month and the city has it now if you want to see a copy of the whole report go to community plan google community planning assistance teams franklin tennessee and you can see the whole report including write-ups on all the team members and We are going to have questions when Doug is finished. So, Right now, no questions.
2: Good evening, everybody. Um, I want to thank David and and the American Playing Association for allowing me the opportunity to come share my experience um, in uh, Wakulla County, uh, Florida. Um, Imagine yourself, my presentation is going to have a lot of similarities uh, some differences to what Rich had talked about I kind of melded the presentation to talk about the the overall experience of the CPAT process as well as specifically what we did in Wakulla County and kind of put the two together so it's a little bit in contrast and, and I think it'll it'll resonate well after hearing with, with Rich uh, had spoken about I try to think of the CPAT process as sort of a maze. Um, before we arrived in Wakulla County, basically they, they had done seven years of studies, research, uh, sought funding, did some improvements, and and they had a they they started their own maze, and and our kind of job was to maybe going through that maze to maybe make pathways that maybe were seemed insurmountable make a more uh... an avenue that they could pursue with different options so we really part of the challenge in this whole process is 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 thinking outside the box and really trying to find alternative solutions because there was so much prior work done Will call a county um, is about 15 miles south of Tallahassee. It's in the Tallahassee metropolitan statistical area on the panhandle of Florida. Our study area was the Walcala Garden subdivision. Just to give you an overview, Walcala County population is about 30,000 people. It's a rural county um, on the panhandle of Florida. Um, It only has two municipalities and 15 unincorporated um, areas within the county um, it 's about seven hundred and thirty six square miles of which there are about one hundred and twenty nine square miles of water. one of the the unique features of Wakulla Gardens and Wakulla county there 's a lot of state preservation area, a lot of natural our national park area Wakulla Springs is, is located down there it 's one of the largest freshwater springs. Um, in the world. It was estimated at one time the peak flow reached up to 1.2 billion gallons of water uh, with the average flow of 200 to 300 million gallons per day. Um, had projected about 32 miles long, 350 feet deep. Well, Culloch County uh, was experiencing pretty steady growth between 2000 and 2010. It's about 3.5% a year over that 10-year period. Um, as I had stated, it's a suburb of Tallahassee. Most of the residents in, in Wakulla County commute to Tallahassee uh, for employment. Um, just as a point of interest, in, in Wakulla Springs, in, in this area, they had shot several films, several Tarzan films were shot here. Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, Night Moves, uh, Airport 77. Well, Gardens was Gardens was our study area. Just an overview. It consists of five different units of subdivision, which were platted between 1961 and 1965. Total lots. Is just over 3,700 platted lots, of which approximately 2,500 we'd consider buildable. Uh, various reasons um, I can get into later, dealing with it, uh, floodplain, karst topography, etc. There were at the time September 2012 970 existing residences. The lots are about 5,000 square f- square feet. The, the homes range from approximately 900 to 1,300 square feet. And an estimate, um, I calculated in this manual, it's about 555 acres. I'll go through quickly all the different plats so you can get an idea of, of the density of this subdivision. I want to go through a lot of the background that was done prior to, to our team arriving in Florida because it's an integral part of the CPAT process and it really saved us a lot of time and a lot of this work and study was already completed which at the same token it was a challenge because a lot of things were already looked at and studied and it was our job to kind of take all that and maybe offer ways to expand on it or alternative options Um, everything for special flood basin ordinance which required elevations Um, above seasonal high water for for buildings or homes within the subdivision. Comprehensive wastewater study was completed in uh, 2006. 2008, there was a study to evaluate the feasibility of extending sewer, stormwater management. Uh, Alternatives were looked at, uh, paving roads, and what kind of um, land acquisition costs there would be in order to facilitate a lot of this infrastructure work 2009 they did a stormwater study these roads as you'll see um, are not paved in 2010 uh, the county uh, received a a grant they applied 38,000 tons of gravel to the roads to improve um, circulation within the community because a lot of these roads were, were prone to flooding and ponding, so to help with with just getting cars in and out. Um, 2011, there was a floodplain study and a CRA assessment or community redevelopment area. The residents, the Waukola County also did a survey. This was the year just leading up to us arriving in Waukola County about if the residents would, would entertain a special assessment for, to fund the infrastructure improvements and then and, and the residents voted not to, not to pursue that option. So, as you can see, there was a lot of work done even before we arrived, which, which, was, which was a benefit, but also a challenge because these are things we'd all look at and they looked at all these options. They did a lot of work and it was very helpful to us because um, we had all access to all these reports. I'm going to go through the, the five different plats or units real quickly just to give you an um, idea of kind of the, the density and the, and the lot sizes. Some of these are hard to see. This is uh, unit one. This is unit two. Unit three. Unit three is two. Two different plats right there and then Unit 4 is right there and then that's Unit 5. Project preparation, um, really important, do as much research as possible before you arrive in the community because the time spent in the community is very limited as Rich had talked upon, you really need to focus on what you can't do here, there, as far as meeting with residents, meeting with elected officials, special interest groups. um, That's critical to project preparation. One of the things I tried to do before I went was to relate some of these challenges to similar experiences that I've dealt with in my community, um, that I've seen in other areas of the county that I work in, to come up and just try to brainstorm ideas. Once you arrive, there's several roles, I think, as a CPAP member that you'll, you'll, you'll play while you're there. Political scientist, planner, engineer, environment environmentalist, facilitator, mediator, et cetera. So there's a lot of different hats you wear. And I think it really it lends itself to looking at this process as a holistic one. Specific challenges to this project, there's 21 miles of roads. I apologize, some of the pictures, um, it was raining when we got there, and I took them from the vehicle, so, but I think it'll give you an idea, uh, the un- 21 miles unpaved roads, flooding was a challenge because of the streets blocked, if it was ponded, you know, there might be trouble with emergency access, cars get stuck in mud, et cetera, very narrow. Potable water, there's five units in the subdivision. Some of them were served through a private water system, but others were not. So the, the others that were not, these are 5,000 square foot lots, on-site wells, on-site septics. So that's, that's, that was a big challenge. Um, what we tried to do in preparing for the project was to formulate a preliminary work strategy, everything from how we would present options using flip charts, uh, maps, Think of all the info you might need when you get there. Try to get all your data collected uh, so when you get there you can hit the ground running. The other challenges, uh, wastewater, as I had stated, individual on-site treatment systems, emergency management, code enforcement, um, abandoned homes, foreclosures. This area, like every other area in the country, was hit by housing recession. Um, That was just another added challenge that we had the county had looked at providing all this infrastructure—stormwater, wastewater, water, roads—at that time, the cost was approximately $34 million. And this was not the only overplatted subdivision within Wakulla we'll County. Sensitive areas, um, funding, density. Um, the, this obviously is a very dense subdivision. Public open space. These residents, there was not a lot of uh, community areas, public open space, recreation area. The other thing is a lack of association. As I had mentioned, the karst topography, which in a nutshell is is a, a system whereby it's an underground drainage system caused by the dissolution of bedrock, um, which. It creates a, a couple of challenges. One is sinkholes in these karst areas. There are sinkholes that are created. So it's a, it's a complicated underground drainage. And the other thing that's associated with it is underground caves. So a lot of these areas in the subdivision had karst-like topography and karst-like features. With any challenge, there's opportunities. This subdivision provided affordable housing. Florida State University, Florida A&M two big resources that we expand upon in our report of how to maybe take advantage of those local resources to, to address some of the concerns and, and build off the recommendations that we made as a team um, when we left. Uh, relationship building. Um, I think that's a big part of what we tried to do between the CPAC team, the residents, the community, the elected officials. Our team strategy, we focus on social and infrastructure-related recommendations. Social, creation of a community, grassroots organization. Try to empower the community, um, get the residents to take a leadership role in, in becoming part of alternative solutions. Um, we, we recommend in our report youth engagement, uh, use of sweat equity, uh, making this a community Uh, challenge, not just a Wakola County challenge, not just a Wakola Gardens challenge, but a community challenge. Work with the county. Um, Eco-tourism, we talk about that more in the report. Um, Infrastructure, paving roads, 21 miles of roads, what we did, we tried to say, well, let's prioritize which roads should be paved first. Uh, Collectors, arterials, emergency access, things like that. Um, Lock consolidation, using dual lots for dual purposes such as parks, open space, and storm water management. Uh, land swaps, conduct a feasibility for a STEP program, type of sewer system, sewer uh, treatment program. Community, um, as as a CPAT, I think it's important to envision yourself as a resident, an elected official, a special interest person, put yourself in their shoes. Um, a challenge throughout this whole thing is really, like I said, you have to think outside the box, a lot of work was done. It was not an easy, Rich had stated, there's not an easy solution. And, and, it, and it was tremendously um, challenging in that, in that aspect. And I think respecting the process, um, you know, the project has been studied, it's been researched, use that work, respect the work that was done, um, but don't hold back ideas, propose alternatives that you may think, well, this might not work put anything on the table because at this point I think, I think that's the kind of mentality you have to have going in. The residents provide input. The staff gave us considerable help. The elected officials were a willing participant. They were an incredible asset also. Um, and I think you got to kind of put all these groups together to try to bridge that gap and try to come up with, um, with a solution. I apologize. Uh, remain cognizant of your audience. Because you're going from group to group, community meetings, meetings with elected officials, private developers, just focus your, your, your comments to that specific group and, and that audience. Um, research, micro and macro. By that I mean um, looking at the, the local political climate, looking at the state. Florida's growth management was one of the pioneers of growth management, 2011. They amended that legislation. I think uh, going in, you need to look at that background. Um, As a CPAT, I think when you're on site, you're you're doing a 20,000 foot view of the the community, of the issues. When you do the report, it's more of a 5,000 foot. You get into details. We got there on Friday night. We started Saturday. We had to do a report before the county on Tuesday night. And that's why I'm saying the 20,000-foot level on Tuesday night, and then the report can get into more detail. I think it's important to set realistic and achievable goals and objectives. Um, Try to... things that, that you can easily obtain that are not out of the realm of possibility. I think it's important as far as the assistance. All stakeholders are equal partners in any community um, issues such as this, or any community that has a planning challenge, consider all points of views, perspectives, building commonalities amongst stakeholders. Um, the emotions run high uh, during some of the meetings, but emotion equals passion, and I think that's a benefit. And that means p- people care, people want to be involved. Assistance, accentuate, excuse me, accentuate the positives, build on what people agree on assist to bridge gap between the differences, foster two-way communication, listen to all groups involved, important to remain objective to all groups while you're there, um, and try to facilitate collaboration amongst the stakeholders. Our team, again, was a very diverse group of individuals and this is a great benefit of this program. You come from all areas of the country and you have different experiences and you have different knowledge, and you use different practices, and you put all these together to try to create a unique solution that maybe I didn't think of, or, or Darren, or David, Thomas, um, public-private sector. Um, so I think that is a great benefit to this program. You're putting a lot of people in different areas with a lot of different knowledge bases. I think it's important to capitalize on team member's experience individual strengths. Each team member brings a unique perspective. Um, Challenge your ideas and interpretations. Play devil's advocate. Um, Test your theories, hypothesis. Why wasn't this thought of? Was it thought of? Why would this work or wouldn't it work? I think it's important that to understand when you're down there, you're not going to solve the problem, maybe one or any, but you're going to, I think, develop the process and maybe offer things to look into when, when you leave and in the report that they can look and seek more information about maybe spur some more discussion as a team empower the residents to take an active role I think that was important in this area as I said it's it's a community it's a community issue be an integral part of the process um, remain impartial we try to promote public-private partnerships encourage everyone to have skin in the game um, challenge the perceptions of residents. Well, the elected officials didn't do this. Well, here's, here's, here's their point of view. To get everyone to see everyone else's viewpoint. Um, formulate recommendations. I think it's critical to remember the community is an equal partner, everyone within the community. In conclusion, um, this is an excellent opportunity for planners and community seeking assistance. As a planner, a professional, it's professional growth, personal growth. I think it's a great opportunity to train for emergency response, disaster, disaster situations. You're put in a situation, you, you don't have a lot of time, you got a lot of data, you got to come up with recommendations, meet with a lot of people in a short time period. This is a great training ground. It's, uh, I refer to it kind of like speed planning, which I, which I think is a, is, is a great benefit. Learn from the team members and community. Have fun. Um, it's a great experience. I made a lot of great people. Um, Learn a lot of concepts like TDRs that we put in our report that I, I don't think I've mentioned that while I've worked in Illinois, but we put that in because why not? It could be a potential solution. Planners, I'd encourage you to, apply to participate in the program and communities to apply for assistance. And then I just put, uh, this is the community planning assistant team page. This is our project. It was called the Wakula Gardens Retrofit Challenge. This is the Wakula Gardens, or I'm sorry, Wakula County website uh, with the report at the bottom. There's a link to the report. And then there's links on this slide uh, presentation to the report and also to the uh, community planning assistance team page. Thank you very much.
0: Let's have a round of applause for our speakers. And at this point, we are going to open it up to questions. And just as a reminder, if you can put your hand up, I'll come to you with the microphone so we can record your question for our podcast.
3: First, I'm going to have a a shout-out to Rich, who we work for the same company. So nice job, Rich. Thank you. Uh, I was fortunate to go down to... Louisiana after Katrina. And I worked with a long-term planning group, if I remember that you were there, with hundreds of planners on here. And, but they had as many ideas as they had planners on how to uh, solve the floodplain issues. But it seemed to come down to two schools of thought. And the first uh, school was to elevate the the housing and then put uh, non-essential things Underneath, which if they got wet, there wouldn't be a problem. But there was another school of thought, and that was that elevating is uh, housing is expensive uh, for older people; it becomes a, a problem. So what they talked about, and they especially did that in, in Florida, was to embrace the, the flooding, and basically make it like a a, a a a a Venice type of a situation in there, and to and in that kind of way that you just elevated a, a, a slight bar, but when, when the flood came, it would just integrate it with the canals. That, that would be – do you see now that they're going towards either one plan or, or, or the other?
1: I'll, I'll go with New Orleans. It's a little bit of everything. You go into uh, New Orleans, the neighborhood, I'll use uh, – it's either Lakeside or Lakeview. I always get them mixed up, but if you drive through there, you've got houses that are elevated three feet. So in other words, they're on crawl spaces. You've got houses that are 20 feet in the air, which puts them above the uh, levees if the levee should fail again. And I, I last time I was down there was 2011. And it's a mishmash. And that's everybody thinking, well, you know, I'm either going to do what they tell me to do or do what I need to be safe. And they, to me, they haven't had the leadership down there from the very beginning to go one way or the other.
2: Uh, this question is for Doug at uh, Wakula Gardens. You mentioned there were twenty five hundred, more or less, lots that were developable. Out of that number, how
0: many of them actually are developed?
2: Well, when we were there, there's about nine hundred and seventy residences, so uh, that's including of the thirty seven hundred platted lots. So, I I don't know the exact answer to your question of the develop of the Buildable. How many are in that buildable category, and how many maybe shouldn't have been built? I'm not exactly sure, um, but a lot of the lots that that we looked at that I guess were not buildable were were in areas, low areas. Um, they actually, I, I don't know, plots identified the sinkholes, the karst topography, and those are what we were we to as unbuildable or floodplain type lots, but I don't know the exact answer to your question. What about Is
1: that area affected by hurricanes? Wave run up? No. What I asked him was the effect of hurricanes and wave wave run up in that area and he wasn't sure.
2: Uh, I've got a question for both of you, and uh, it's a two-parter. Uh, one is, is how much time did you spend with the communities, and what was the duration of, of the activity? Uh, I, I I got an idea that, uh, Doug, yours went pretty quick, and, and Rich, it took place over a longer period of time. Uh, second part in there, did you get into doing... Uh, any community surveys or charrettes or anything like that?
1: Well, I'll I'll start since I have the microphone. Uh, Basically, the workshop that we had on Tuesday, I call it a quasi-charrette. You know, we talked about things that they could do. We sought their input, and a lot of those things went into our final report. Uh, team as a whole, we flew in there Sunday and flew out Friday afternoon. Uh, like I said, our work days were probably from 8 in the morning till at least 10 at night. The second last day, like I said, was till 2 in the morning. So intensive time periods. In my case, since I was the team leader, I was there. Two days longer, several months earlier, but also, you know, we had a lot of reading to do at home. To uh, we got maps, plans, ordinances, and the such. And after we came back, uh, we still had uh, some work to do to get the final report out.
2: We started in earnest Saturday morning, and I guess we had two. Planned, They had advertised ahead of time two planned community town hall meetings, which were, were somewhat like Charette's, where they were open houses. People came in for a two-hour time span. We did two different times. I think we had one on Saturday, one on Sunday. What we tried to do is set up different tables, and residents could go, and one of us would be at sort of like Rich described, but we didn't designate uh, a table. As economic development, we had maps out and said, kind of, where do you live? Uh, what are your, how do you see this area? Where are the problems? Where's the water? Um, what's been done? What are your recommendations? And some elected officials attended those. The other part of the, of the meetings down there, um, we had one on one meetings. Um, we met with a lot of the elected officials. We met with the uh, county administrator, the county attorney, uh, the consultant engineer. Um, we spent considerable amount of time in, in those meetings, set intermittently Saturday, in between the community meetings and Sunday as well, um, up until uh, Monday. We we met with with again with with one on one meetings down at the uh, community hall, and then Tuesday we kind of prepared our PowerPoint for the presentation before the County Commissioners Tuesday night. But Wednesday after that, we had met with another elected official that we hadn't got to meet with uh, previously. So it was a lot, it was two kind of group charrette type community town hall meetings, and then we we tried to meet with as many individuals um, as possible consultants, staff, engineers. And the whole time we were down there, the staff was great. They brought us information, we asked questions. and, and they constantly gave us what we, what we needed to more research, et cetera. So um, we tried to, like I said, do a broad brush overview. And the report goes into much more detail on these recommendations.
0: Yeah, and to give you a little better sense of the total project time frame, every CPAT's different. Uh, As Rich was pointing out, it often comes down to community scheduling needs in terms of how long it is between the point at which a community is selected and then when the site visits happen and then when a final report is actually produced. Sometimes it can be all within the span of a few months, but uh, many of the CPATs play out over about a six-month time period where you have a community that's accepted, and then you do initial upfront research for, uh, could be a couple of months, and then there, as both speakers point out, there's a few days of really intense site visit, and then sometimes the final report's coming right hot on the heels of that, and sometimes there may be Uh, Some different things that the team wants to think about that come out of that final meeting where they're presenting their initial recommendations and it might take a little bit of time after that to finalize a report that then is being delivered to the community.
2: And what we tried to do in between all that is come back to where we were staying. We all sat around with laptops and we all kind of worked on different areas or looked at different issues. Um, One gentleman looked at funding, one was more environmental engineer. Um, myself, um, our team leader, we did a planning issues. Um, so we all did research uh, while we were kind of um, in the war room, if you, if you want to call it that. And, um, and we did that intermittently as we learned information so we could prepare for the presentation Tuesday night as well as eventually for the report. And then afterwards, we, we kind of assigned for the report. When we go back, you, you complete this, you complete this. We all submit it to somebody who put it together.
1: Basically, you know, pretty much the same for us. Though we, though we did designate, since they make the big bucks as professors, one of our professors to be our editor. So we sounded like it was we were talking as one and not five different people. Uh, the the other comment I've had I have is Franklin versus New Orleans. It was wasn't completely different, but significantly different.
0: I think for the sake of time, we'll let that be the final word. But if anybody has any additional questions uh, about how to get involved in the CPAP program, you can certainly talk to me uh, after the program, and I'm sure our speakers would be happy to answer any questions one-on-one. And I think that uh, Rich wanted to make one final announcement uh, that may be of special interest to some of the folks yeah. here.
1: If you're interested in hazard mitigation or disaster recovery, you go on to the uh, APA website. Uh, it was on the last interact that came out, and go in there. Basically, all you do is click a button to say that if we get the 300 people we need to form a division, that I will gladly accept a bill from APA for $25 for division dues.
0: And that say the name of the potential new division:
1: the Hazard Mitigation and Disaster Recovery Division. And that's both natural and technological hazards so
0: thanks let's have one final round of applause for our speakers Thanks both on behalf of the American Planning Association I want to thank Rich Roths and Doug Martin for a thought-provoking and informative program on community planning assistance teams. Thanks also to the many APA staff members who help make this program possible every month. information on previous and future presentations is available on APA's website www.planning.org under the section called events. I'm David Morley.